Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 4 to 25. I'm reading out of the ESV uh, translation. Starting in verse 4, it says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Fishon. I wonder if they had good fishing there. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, but I don't know how to say that word. Anyways, onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows out of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Amen, men? Well, come on, your wives are here. Come on. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon this man, the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man then the man said this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed let's pray Lord, thank you so much for your word. As we dive into it this morning, I pray that you would ultimately just change our thinking on the way the world has presented sexual identity. Lord, I pray that we would have a biblical perspective. And from this passage, we see the original design, a man and woman, Adam and Eve. Lord, may we not May we not go any other way. May we hold firm to to your creation, to your design, to the way that you want it to be. God, I pray that you would help us to know 
your word even better uh, than we did before uh, in this time that we have in your word. God, we just commit it all to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can all have a seat. Uh, just a quick uh, uh, I can't, I'm not thinking of the word right now, but anyways, um, I want to let you know where we're going in the next couple weeks. So uh, we're obviously staying here, and we're not going outside or anything, but um, uh, next week, um, like Diane mentioned uh, in announcements, we're having soup and salad. Now, that's awesome, but the even better part is the fact that we're going to go after and we're going to invite our neighbors to the Easter service and, and the Good Friday service. That's the real meat and potatoes. Uh, we're just getting you your belly full so you can go out and go walk and, and invite people. So in light of that, in light of that um, I will be sharing a message next weekend on how to share your faith. Um, because ultimately that's what we're going to be doing next weekend is we're going to be, yes, inviting people to church, but I can guarantee you this at some point when you knock on a neighbor's door, you're going to, you're going to share your faith. And I want you to be equipped to do that. And so we'll look at what scripture says and, and I'll, I'll throw some tips and tricks in there as well. And then after that, we'll get back into our hot topic series and we'll be looking at the series of race. Um, I had originally thought alcohol would be a good topic to, to pinpoint, but race is more heavy in this season than alcohol, I believe. Um, then the last one, we'll close with religion. Uh, the difference between relationship with Jesus and religion of the world. And then we've got Easter. Easter is quickly approaching, which I'm very excited for. And we all know that Easter is a celebration of our risen Lord. Amen. I mean, he is alive. He is here with us this morning. Um, and so we'll be looking at that uh, awesome, powerful account of Jesus's, Jesus's resurrection from the dead. And then after that, um, I'm just laying it all out for you. Um, uh, we're going to be looking at, and, and I don't know how many of you are familiar with this uh, phrase, if you will, uh, but we're going to be looking at the topic of the woke church. Um, if you're in the church world, so to speak, if you're up to date with, with, with terminology or whatever, uh, the woke church is basically a church that keeps up with the culture that, that doesn't even compromise like we talked about, but ultimately just completely disobeys as, what, as, as a church and what a church is supposed to be. So uh, we're going to look at kind of, well, not kind of, we're going to look at God's design for the church and the woke church. Um, and we'll hear more on this in weeks to come. Uh, but I, I brought something for you all. It is one of the most controversial items in our day and age. Um, I, I cannot tell you how big of a deal um, this thing is. I might have to borrow your stool. Uh, it's not a live animal, in case you're wondering. That would be pretty awesome, though. It is better than that. And for me to say that is huge because I'm an animal guy. Oh, it moved. All right. Like I said, it is one of the most controversial items in our day and age. Like, it's a big deal. Uh, okay. Ready for this? I should have you close your eyes and be like, no, open, but don't do it. Okay. All right. You ready? Where's Tyrone when we need a drum roll? This is the most controversial item in our day and age. I'm sorry, what did you say, Mr. Mr. and Mrs., right? Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. 
I can stay over there. Yeah, so right now, this is the most controversial, not, not so much the item. Like, to me, as a kid, I knew this to be Mr. Potato Head. Anybody else? Mr. Potato Head in Toy Story, that's what he was called. Everywhere that Mr. Potato Head was, he was called Mr. Potato Head. Can you believe that Hasbro almost pulled the plug on the Mr. and Mrs.? Thankfully, I think they came to their senses and realized that they were about to make a big mistake. And thankfully, they did not pull through with getting rid of the pronouns, if you will. But this is crazy. This is the day and age we're living in. Now you're all just going to be looking at Mr. Potato Head the whole time. Um, he is colorful. <laughs> but there's a lot of other companies that actually have jumped on the bandwagon, if you will, of changing these gender uh, pronouns. Instead of boys and girls, it's no longer boys and girls, it's kids. Now, I'll give you some examples. Uh, Target. Now, I'm sure you're all up to date with Target because everybody loves shopping at Target. And they would no longer use signs to label toys for boys and, and girls. It wouldn't be girls' toys and boys' toys. It's just toys. So if a boy wants to play with a Barbie and play with makeup, sure, why not? Thank you. Or how about this, Disney, right? Disney banished girl and boy designations when it came to Halloween costumes. So if a little boy wants to dress up as Sleeping Beauty, why not? No, right? How about this, Amazon? No longer using gender-based categories for kids' toys. It's gone. No more boys and girls. It's just kids, Yet, it isn't just toys and retail companies that this is happening to. It happens to be led by our government. If you're up to date with the news, the most recent bill being passed by the House of Representatives is the Equality Act, which ultimately amends the 1964 Civil Rights Act, stating now to ex it, it explicitly prevents discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. What is going on with our world today? We're living in some dark times, and we need Jesus. We need the light of the world now. Now, this isn't just thing of, uh, a thing of the present. Do you, do you remember the cake baker in Lakewood, Colorado? In 2012, he was sued for refusing to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. In 2019, by the same person that sued him, he was sued again for not selling a cake to that same person because she was transgen transgender. And then a year after that, in 2019, he was sued for a third time by the same person because the lady wanted to order a cake. The cake would be blue on the outside and pink on the inside to celebrate her gender transition. When she called the shop... She was told that they didn't make cakes for sex changes. Crazy stuff. This is happening. This is real. Let's get this straight, though. Uh, now, your mind may be going to the LGBTQ community. Uh, it may be going to homosexuality or transgenderism or any of those things. Can I make this absolutely as clear as possible? God loves those people. God loves that group, so to speak. Can I make this abundantly clear? God hates the sin. He loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Homosexuality and transgenderism 
is sin. If you are joining us for the first time, buckle up. (laughs) You came on the right Sunday. Uh, Now, I I have to tell you once, once again, the issue of sexuality in our culture is not a political issue. It is a sin issue. It is ultimately a sin issue. And in this sermon, please understand my heart. I am not discriminating against a group of individuals. I am not saying we're better than them because at the end of the day, you and I, we are sinners. It doesn't matter if you're homosexual or straight. You are a sinner. There wasn't a lot of amens for that. <laughs> Listen, I truly believe God will accept anyone as they are, murderer, rapist, thief, liar, homosexual, a person who does abortions. Yet I truly believe that God will not leave them as they are. See, because a step closer to God is a step further away from sin. Listen, in this morning, my desire is not to shame you, it is not for uh, the sin that you may be in or the sin of, of somebody else to, to bring up and just rub it all over your face. It's not, that's not my desire. Yes, if you're convicted and you know you've sinned, let's repent. Let's turn around and come closer to the Lord. But my desire is not to shame you. My desire is not to condemn you. My desire is to point you to the truth of God's word and ultimately help you and I see that in Romans, like Romans 2.4 says in the message translation, God is kind, amen, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Now, this is a tough message, once again. I thought abortion was tough. Sexuality, sexual identity is just as tough because this is what our world is struggling with. And as believers, we need to have an answer for those who are walking in the dark. Why is this sin? What can I do if I'm in this sin? And so uh, my prayer is that through this message, we'll be able to see that. But sexuality, it used to be the term to describe the quality or state of being sexual or the act of engaging in sex. If you have kids watching on the live stream, I would advise you not to have them listen in uh, just because there's going to be some words that are, uh, let's just say rated R for them. Uh, and if there are kids in here, I don't think there are any, but I, yeah, okay. Is he sleeping? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, But ultimately, this word sexuality has been replaced by another term, and they call it sexual identity. Sexual identity has been described as a part of an individual's identity with uh, with which it reflects their self-concept, their self-concept, not the God-given concept, but the self-concept. However, listen, when somebody lives and thinks according to their choices and behavior and determines how to live their life based off of their choices, they ultimately have rejected the biblical view of sexual identity. So what is the biblical view? What is the biblical view of sexuality or sexual identity? In Genesis 1, 26 through 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Now listen to this next part. Male and female. He created them. 
Now let's back up for a moment. It says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Uh, the us in there, if you're familiar with, with studying your Bible or any amount of Bible knowledge, you'll notice that the, there's an us in there. The us is speaking of the triune God, uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the triune God uh, being three in one, it's another crazy topic that we can talk about. But they're, they're, they're saying we're going to make man in our image. Now that's a wild thing to say uh, because we have done a poor job at keeping up with that image. See, God created humanity, remember as we talked about last week, God created humanity out of butt dust. Do you remember that? <laughs> I got a laugh, yes. Last week it was like crickets. Thank you for having a kindergarten heart. I appreciate that. Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. Uh, Joe and I were talking last week, uh, now that, that God created something out of dust, what should we do with our dust? I mean, we can't create anything out of dust. I don't know the last time you ever tried, but I doubt you'll come up with anything. Uh, maybe a dust bunny, but that's about it. But, but the how, listen, the how of, of how God created humanity is not as important as the why. Because listen, on this side of heaven, we will probably never know how God formed man out of dust. The scientific stuff that goes on behind there it just will blow our minds and will probably explode our heads if we dive too deep into it. But we do know the why of, of why he created humanity. It's ultimately to bear his image. To be image bearers. We are like him in the likeness of the Trinity, the triune God. Right? So we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Our body refers to our physical being. Our soul refers to our mind and our emotions. And our spirit refers to our eternal being, which relates to God. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, it says that God has set eternity in our minds. We all have this longing for the afterlife, if you will. What's going to be next? We all have that yearning. When I die, what's going to happen? Or when my loved one dies, what's going to happen to them? We all have that question. We all want to know. And that's where the spirit side of us, which relates to God, kick, kicks in. Animals, however, only have a body and soul. They do not have a spirit. I've never seen my dog pray before. I've, I don't know if your dog does, but that would be pretty rad. But unfortunately, they don't. they don't. Even my tortoise, he just doesn't care. He just goes right into the food and just... Anyways, you get the picture. Because why? They were not made in God's image. Only mankind is a spiritual being. Only mankind. So the point is this. God created man as image bearers of himself. Man and woman. We are image bearers. Now... We are made in his likeness, which means we take some of his characteristics on, if you will. In, in the likeness of the Trinity, we have the body, the soul, and the spirit. Now, please don't misinterpret uh, uh, this text thinking that, well, God has made me to be like a God. No, you're not a God. I'm not a God. Although many of us act like gods, we are, we are not gods. We are representatives and image bearers of a good God. The only God. And then it goes on to say in that very same passage, male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Point number one, sexual identity was and is created 
by God. I heard the story of uh, Adam asking God uh, some questions. And uh, true story. <laughs> his first question to God was, God, why did you make Eve so sweet? And his response, God's response to Adam was, so you would love her. And then he asked another question. His question was, God, why did you make Eve so soft? God's response, so you would love her. And then Adam asked another question. God, why did you make Eve so stupid? Men, don't laugh at that. Come on. God's response was, so she would love you. Ah, yeah. <laughs> See, while it would benefit us to dive into the role of male and female, husband and wife, which at some point in the history of this church, we will dive into the, the, the husband and wife role, but that's not my goal this morning. Uh, my goal is to plainly lay out what God's design is when it comes to sexual identity. That's our goal this morning. And from this passage in Genesis chapter 1, I know we read Genesis chapter 2, but I wanted to read the account of God creating, God creating man and woman. Uh, but from this passage in Genesis chapter 1, it is straightforward and abundantly clear that God created man and woman. Do you see that? Does your Bible say the same thing as mine? See, when God created, he did not make a mistake. And when God creates today, he does not make mistakes. He created Adam to be a man and he created Eve to be a woman. How complicated is that? God was straightforward when he says, you're man and you're woman. Done. See, God did not create man to be a woman. And God did not create woman to be a man. Many think that, based off of the passage in Genesis chapter 1, that Adam was some type of man and woman combined. That is taking Scripture entirely out of context. And that's something that we do not do here. It is very clear in Scripture, though, that God made man and God made woman. Genesis 2-7, then the Lord God formed the man. Does it say anything else? It says, the man. In Genesis 2.22, it says, uh, God took the rib that the Lord, uh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman. Woman, did you see that? Woman, not I think that's going to be a woman. It could be a man. It could be a woman. It's woman <laughs> and brought her to the man. Listen, God created Adam as a man. There is no confusion with God's design. But listen to this. There is confusion in God's design. However, meaning that humanity, you and I and the rest of the world, has become incredibly confused as to what the original design is. Why? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 answers that for us. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The problem is Satan has blinded people from the truth. And so they stand for their own thought that you can believe anything you want as long as you believe something. All right, you've probably heard that before. It doesn't matter what you believe just believe anything and unfortunately it is not just unbelievers that adhere to this lie 
It is also believers as well. Progressive Christianity is on the rise. If you're familiar with progressive Christianity, you'll know what I'm talking about. Progressive Christianity takes a stance for LGBTQ inclusivity. Why? Because they do not hold to the Bible as God's written word to man. They believe the Bible isn't, according to a church in Tennessee, that the Bible isn't the word of God. They believe that the Bible is not self-interpreting. They believe that the Bible is not a science book. They believe that the Bible isn't an answer or rule book. And lastly, they believe that the Bible isn't inerrant or infallible. That's crazy. There is a website out there called churchclarity.org. And what it does is it lists the, every church, whatever church it is that signs up for this, uh, this subscription or whatever it may be, uh, they list the policies that they have towards LGBTQ. In reference to the church in Tennessee, they ask the question, do you hire people from the LGBTQ community? Yes. Do you perform same-sex marriages? Yes. Do you ordain homosexuals for the work of the ministry? Yes. See, they are a church that is a total inclusive LGBTQ church. And this is where you and I might hear the, the thing, well, you conservative Christians, you're, you're anti-LGBTQ. You're, 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 you hate them. No, no, we are not LGBTQ, anti-LGBTQ. We will love on that community and do our best to point them to the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. That is our aim. That is our goal because they need Jesus just as much as you and I do. However, we are anti-sin. We are not anti-sinners. We are anti-sin. Because just in case you are wondering, LGBTQ or not, we have all sinned. So what's happening I, I, I remember going to a Bible college and I knew this uh, one uh, student in the class who was on fire for the Lord. He loved the Lord. He loved God's word. He loved studying God's word. And shortly after he graduated, he fell into the sin or the trap of homosexuality. Here's what's happening. Like Craig mentioned, we are seeing a Romans 1 play out before our very eyes. Point number two is sexuality or sexual identity has been distorted by sin. Romans 1, 24 to 32, it says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, did you catch that first word in that uh, a passage, therefore. Now, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you have to see what it's there for. Paul was just finishing up with telling us about the decisions of the unrighteous and the ungodly men and women. And he was telling us that the fact is this, that what can be known about God is absolutely plain. You know, you can know about God because God has shown you himself through creation is what Paul was saying. They knew God as creator, yet they rejected that he was ultimately the one in authority. And so 
the decision they made from that was to exchange the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling man, birds, creeping things, and on and on. They were worshiping things. They were not worshiping God. And so in light of this, it goes, it goes on to say <clears throat> that God gave them up. He literally abandoned them. That is a scary thing to happen. For God to abandon a nation. And I believe that we are right there because of the, the culture's decision to turn their back on God. See, it says that he gave them up to the lusts of its heart. Why would he do this? I believe in order for us to learn a lesson, sometimes God has to give a nation up. It's not because God doesn't love that nation anymore. It's because God wants them to see the folly in their choices, the foolishness in their decisions. We need to understand that God ultimately is not going to force us to obey him. We also have to know that his ways are much better than ours. But yet so often we don't remember that because we are blinded by our own desires and wants. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were mentioning how this certain person was uh, just being very selfish and, and they just didn't know why they were being treated like this and on and on. And I said, oh, you know where that's found in the Bible, right? And they said, where? where? I said, it's in First Selfishness chapter 5. See, some of, some of us have included that chapter into our Bible. We go after our own desires. We go after our own wants because pride and selfishness are the driving forces behind that. And so if you have a first selfish, selfishness, chapter 5, I would encourage you to rip it out. That doesn't belong in the believer's life. Your, your own desires and wants, your worldly desires and wants, they pale in comparison to what God has for you. And so, going after our own desires and wants, God says, okay, sure. You can have at it. You can, you can go after those things that you so desperately want, but I can guarantee you this, the pleasures that you may find in this world, they are temporary. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The only place we will find full, lasting satisfaction is in Jesus Christ. Nowhere else, only in Jesus. It says that God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. This word lusts is the Greek word for uh, epithumia. How's that for your Greek today? It is the passionate desire for forbidden pleasure. It is the desire which make men do nameless and shameless things. William Barclay says, it is the way of life of a man who has become so completely immersed in the world that he has ceased to be aware of God at all. God is not there because your desires have taken a dominant position. 
And Paul is specific in what they were lusting after. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So here's the question. Why is homosexuality wrong? Point number three, because it is in complete disobedience to God's design. That is not the way God created us to be. In this passage in Romans chapter one, it spews out homosexuality. Men exchanging uh, the natural for the unnatural and women doing likewise. And many will say when they come across this passage that homosexuality is not even found in the Bible, so why should we even touch it? Wrong. Because homosexuality is in the Bible. In Leviticus 18.22, it says, do not practice homosexuality. And then he goes on to say, it is a detestable sin. And some might argue, well, that's in the Old Testament. We don't do the Old Testament. Okay, hold on. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people. Man, we all fall into that category, don't we? None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Even in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, it says the law is for the people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders. How clear is the Bible on this topic? Homosexuality is a sin. For those of us who think the Bible is silent on this topic, we are greatly mistaken. mistaken. The Bible is clear on this one truth that homosexuality is sin. Now, homosexuality is a same-sex attraction. And it ultimately is changing our God-given sexual identity. When you and I were born, just in case you were wondering, you were either made by God to be a man or woman. Okay, that's it. Man or woman. You're either a man or a woman. You're not an in-between. Whatever an in-between is, you're either a man or woman. You, you were not created to be a homosexual. You were not created to be transgender. You were not created to be bisexual. See, when you alter your sexual identity, you are basically saying, God, I don't agree with the way you created me. But as we learned, God does not make mistakes. God created you, you. That is who God created you to be. Nobody else, nothing else. And so Paul, in these verses, he says that God has given them up to their sinful ways, not because God is heartless or, or, or is lacking compassion, but because the people would not heed to his word. God said it in, in plain sight for them to see, this is the standards that I'm calling you to live by. And like I mentioned, it's not just with unbelievers, it is also with believers. John MacArthur said, Many church denominations in the United States and elsewhere have ordained homosexuals to the ministry and even established special congregations for homosexuals. One denominational group claims that homosexuality is no more abnormal than left-handedness. 
An official church organization for homosexuals is called Dignity. Listen, Scripture says homosexuality is sin. When God created, he told man and woman to be fruitful and multiply, to reproduce, to have babies. That's what he was saying, reproduce. Listen, the only way that you can have babies is between a man and a woman. That is the only way. And some will argue, well, same-sex marriages and, and, and couples, they'll adopt. Yeah, but the, they have to adopt a child that was made by a man or woman to feel any ounce of normal because homosexuality is not normal. And the question might come up, and I'm, 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 I'm sure I'm going to hear it throughout the week. Aren't you being homophobic? No. A homophobe, by definition, is someone with a strong dislike or prejudice towards a gay person. Listen, if God loves sinners, so do I, and so should you. If God hates the sin, so do I, and so should you. So listen, here's what I'm, I'm saying. Satan doesn't care if you're a murderer he doesn't care if you're part of the LGBTQ community. He doesn't care if you're a thief. He doesn't care if you're a rapist. Actually, he wants you to be any one of those things. The only thing he doesn't want you to be is a follower of Jesus Christ. So he, if he can keep you from the truth, he's doing his job. And the truth is this, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But we cannot forget the next verse. Verse 16 is powerful, but also verse 17, we, we see power in it as well. John 3, 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Listen, God's goal for the homosexual, for the lesbian, for the transgender person, for the bisexual person, for the sinner, period, is to save the soul of that lost person. And from a soul saved, the product will be a life that is transformed. That is his goal. 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is God's desire. He wants everybody to be saved. And once he saves you, he's not going to leave you in your sin. He's going to start slowly, it's called this fancy word, sanctification. Start, start making this process of you becoming that, that ultimate, complete, perfect creation. Now, it'll never happen, unfortunately, on this side of heaven. But one day, all sin, all sin that we might encounter, it won't even be spoken of. But ultimately, it starts with conviction, knowing that something in your life, and it may not even be this topic, what we're, uh, what we're talking about this morning, knowing that something in your life is not in line with God's design for your life. That's what conviction is. Ultimately, conviction should lead to repentance. Repentance is doing a complete turnaround, going in one direction and completely turning around, going to where uh, God is calling you. Now listen, I don't know if you realize this, but God still has the power to save lost people. It wasn't like when you first became a believer, he was like, okay, I'm, I'm out of power. That was a hard one. Like, you have no idea what I had to do in order to get this guy to acknowledge me as Lord. I'm checked out, can't save any more people. 
No, God is still in the business of saving lost people. God is still in the business of saving lost people. Yeah. And he is especially in the business of saving lost people from them making their eternal decision of going to hell. See, God doesn't send people to hell. The, the truth is this. When you die, when I die, okay, you will spend eternity somewhere. Either heaven or hell. And the only thing that is going to get you into heaven is what you have decided to do with who Jesus is. Who do you say that Jesus is? There's no amount of good works that'll get you into heaven. No amount of knocking on doors will get you to heaven. No amount of even passing out, passing out our, our Easter invites will get you to heaven. Only acknowledging that Jesus is Lord will get you to heaven. That's it. It's that simple. Acknowledge him as Lord and you will be guaranteed that heaven is your destination and God still does that. He changes our eternal address from hell to heaven because of the finished work of the cross. So listen, you can either decide that you're going to acknowledge him as Lord today or you're going to consider him a lunatic, that he's absolutely crazy. But Jesus did everything that we see in the Gospels to prove that he is Lord. Only God could do that. And you might be thinking this morning, well, this sexual identity, this sexuality talk, it doesn't really apply to me. I don't struggle with it. It's not, it's not a temptation for me. And you might have checked out a long time ago. You're like, why did I even come to church? Let me ask you this. What are your thoughts when you see someone walking down the street who is gay, who is lesbian, who is transgender, who is bisexual? What are your thoughts? Is it condemnation? Man, how despicable. Don't they know that they're wrong? How could they, how could they do this? Like, it's just gross. Is that your thought? It used to be mine. It used to be mine where I would see a gay couple or, or a lesbian or, or on and on and on. And I would have that thought. I would have that thought, man, how could they? Shortly after, I realized that God is in the business of saving sinners. And that means he's not looking at their current state. He's looking at where they're going to be because of what he can do. And so as I started looking at these people, God started shifting my thinking uh, from, man, how, how ungodly to, Lord, please help them see the light. Lord, please use me to share the truth and love with them because they need you. So listen, maybe you know somebody who wrestles with this or maybe you wrestle, it, wrestle with it yourself. You're, you're, you're not sure where you stand. Listen, I, I can tell you this. When you stand in God's design, there's confidence. You don't have to walk around confused. See, God is not the author of confusion. The enemy, unfortunately, is. So God has made it plain 
what his design is and what humanity is and how humanity should operate. I'm out of time. So maybe, maybe you've had those thoughts towards the LGBTQ community. Maybe you've had those disobedient thoughts towards them. I, I can assure you this, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You may not struggle with that issue of homosexuality. You may not have an issue with, with going off that route, but I can guarantee you this, that not all the time do we have the cleanest thoughts in our mind. And when our minds wander off and we start thinking ungodly things about a person's situation, See, we're not to judge those who are outside of the church. That is not our responsibility. Our job is to share the light. See, God is going to judge the world, not us. That's, that's him. That's, that's not our call. <laughs> Let's go ahead and, and stand and, and we'll uh, close out in, in prayer and a chorus. But if you need prayer, if you need guidance, um, Listen, we're going to point you straight to, straight to Jesus. No matter if it's me or an elder or any one of, uh, of us in here, we're going to point you to Jesus because in Jesus we find truth. And so if you need prayer, come find us after service and we'd love to pray over you. If you are here for the first time, uh, thanks for sitting through this uh, sermon. Um, but we do have a free gift for you and, and uh, a Connect card. But let's close out in, in uh, prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your word and the way um, you have designed things. Lord, I, I pray for those who are confused. Lord, those who are in the LGBTQ plus community, those who have ventured off from the truth, Lord, I pray that you would just draw them back to yourself. I pray that by your spirit, you would, you would woo them in to help them to see that satisfaction is found in you. Lord, I pray that you would ultimately do a mighty work in this community and in that topic, Lord. I know there are people in here that battle with that, that are even in that, and, and they're okay with being in that. Lord, I pray that as we go about our daily lives, Lord, you would give us opportunity to just share the truth in love. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in and through our lives, God, that we would... Uh, we would please your heart and we would act in obedience. Lord, we love you and we thank you for being an awesome and mighty God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.